hello. Hi, John. Hi, Merlin. How's it going? Oh, it's pretty early, but I'm doing okay. Christmas is the time to say I love you. I love you, John. Oh, Merlin, thank um, you. That's what Billy Squire said to do. Billy Squire? Yeah. Yeah, you know that song? Remember that song? Yeah, of course I do, but I hadn't thought of it since 1986. Yeah, it was, um, you know, I grew up listening to a lot of radio. Yeah. I think you did too. Yeah. And there was that time of year on whatever your local version of this rock station was. where you get The FM K-Whale. K-W-A-L? K-W-H-L. Oh. 107.7. The whale, the whale, the FMK whale. Here in uh, here in the city by the bay, we have one hundred seven point seven. The bone. So if you don't you don't say, you don't say it like that, you say one hundred seven point seven. The bone, boneyard yeah. classics from the boneyard. On the bone. <laughs> um, we have yeah. KZOK here, and then uh, then one hundred seven. One hundred seven is is a popular place for hard rock because we have one hundred seven point seven. Because it's the uh, opposite of NPR. What is it? The Edge? Or, I don't remember what it is. The Edge. All right. We have uh, Q105. No, it's not the Edge. Not, we have okay. Q105 in Tampa, uh, Tampa Bay area, another city by the bay. We had Q105, which is poppier, and we had 98 Rock, which had the black t shirts. 98 yeah. Rock. So we, KZOK is 99.9. 98.9. That's a cool one. Yeah. Anyway, so Billy Squire Christmas. Billy Squire, but like, I, I I don't know. I'm curious if this aligns because we're, you know, <laughs> we're more the same age every day. Yeah, that's true. You know, if we were in preschool together, we'd be in very different, you know, SRAs. But yeah. now our ages are statistically identical. Yes, that's true. Yeah. We, we are, we are, uh, when you, when you, when you get uh, demographically divided to determine whether or not your cohort uh, voted Republican or not. Yeah, Rome you voted for John Anderson, of course. <laughs> I was into Star Wars, and you were into that Empire Strikes Back shit. <laughs> um, okay, but I'm going to just start reeling these off. And um, I, I'm not mad at these songs. And so, some of them, like, I love. Okay, here's one. Here's one. Like, But the rock songs. you got to play rock songs on the rock station. Oh, yeah. oh, sorry. One more quick thing. As long as we, we need a control group here. Um, you know, we have that big tower called Coit Tower. And in San Francisco, the city by yeah. the bay. Oh, I know the one. Yeah, you can see it. It's right there. It's right there. It looks like a dong. Mm-hmm. It's meant to look like the end of a fire hose. What? Really? Yeah, because the lady, uh, I guess, uh, Countess Coit or whomever, mm-hmm. uh, it was a tribute to the fire, The fir- as we say now, first responders. I hate that yes. fucking term. There it is. The firemen who uh, worked so diligently in 190 diggity what, six? Oh. Oh, well, isn't that thoughtful? See, 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 this is, this is life in America. It's the earthquake that starts it, but it's the fire. That's how they get you, the fire. So, so I drove, uh, I drove by the Coit Tower, uh, not very long ago when we were in your beautiful city, yes. uh, uh, San Francisco, the city by the bay. City by the bay. Uh, because, uh, my daughter was like, I want to go down the twisty street. Sure. And I, I was under, like, I, I understand that. I can it's get like you wanting to go to Fisherman's street. Wharf. I understand. Yeah. You saw the sign in the opening for Phyllis, like all of and, us. <laughs> And here's the thing. Uh, no, I think it was, uh, she really loves Monroe, you know, so we I were watching. I love Monroe. Monroe. Wait, do you guys do Too Close for Comfort? Uh, oh, yeah. We're, we're, we're I dedicated to Too Close for Comfort J- watchers. J.M.J. Bullock, one of the greats. So, uh, but it happened, we were at Fisherman's Wharf, and you know, Twisty Street uh, yeah. and Coit Tower, they're just right there. You just, you get in the car. That's, and the, that's the real part of San Francisco. That's yeah. one of the real parts. I don't yeah. live in the real part of San Francisco, and that's how I likes it. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's what did she think of this twisty street? You wait in line for a while, you take a right turn, <laughs> and then you go down. And then you see lots of people going, Why did I buy a house here? Why there are did I buy a house here? <laughs> there are a lot of people on that street at any time of the day or night. Uh, I've been down that street in the darkest, darkest hours of the night, and there wasn't anybody on it. And that was pretty fun. Uh, but this was just a weird. Were you doing six skateboard tricks? It was, oh, no, at the time, I I don't know, I was doing a rail off of a yeah. liquor's ass. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Is that what cost you extra, Mr. John? Uh, <laughs> yeah, she loved me a long time. Oh, dear. Okay, uh, well, that's but, terrific. But uh-huh. anyway, in this instance, I sat in what was effectively bumper-to-bumper traffic down this street. <laughs> Slowly, and you, ruefully, right, descending a, a hill. <laughs> 
both sides, and I was like, uh, these houses have got to be $6 million a piece. Uh-huh. And, uh, it's the world's shittiest slalom. <laughs> wow. What a nightmare. Yeah, it's real bad. I, but again, I just want to say I understand. Uh, yeah, shitty, okay. shittiest slalom. That's pretty good. Um, uh, so, uh, okay. So, uh, so the thing is, though, I'm so sorry. Hello, Christmas. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you got the Coit Tower. Uh, and, and for, for our listeners out there, uh, who like these sorts of things, it's spelled C O I T. Now, there is a radio station in San Francisco. I bet there's a radio station a lot like this in most cities. And they, there's a radio station called K O I T. And Coit, K O I T, has cornered the market on one of the most important contemporary roles of radio, which is we play music nobody likes but nobody can object too much to. Oh, that's smart. So that's good. So in stores, in, actually, if you go in the elevator, this, is, this, was, this was a fun hat on a hat, that guy moment. First time I went to Coit Tower, I was in the elevator for Coit Tower, going up the, the elevator in Coit Tower. It is playing, the elevator, literal elevator music is K-O-I-T. It's a little wow. on the nose. Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, oh, it's like having oh, an, like an animatronic Richard Lewis at your club or something. It's a little... But anyhow, uh, and so that plays. Now, here's what I want to say about this. You get to Q105, you got your 98 rock, you got to play the rock songs. And one of these came up, I was listening to the uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy uh, holiday special soundtrack. Great, great TV show, great music, old 97s. Guardians of the Galaxy yes. uh, uh, has a TV show? Uh, yes, yes. In the same spirit as like the Star Wars holiday special, I guess. Oh, 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 I saw this on the, on the, on the, the, uh, yeah. the menu. I saw it, it on really, the menu. It really knows what it is and is, I, I will just say on two, two viewings of it, it might be an instant classic because it's really no, sweet, but it knows what it is. And it's got old 97s dressed as aliens, which is nice. Uh-huh. I was listening to that. And you know, the Spotify, I don't know how much you Spotify. It's my main music thing. Uh, Zero amount. I know you make a lot of bank off of that. I've seen the picture oh, of you. The Long Winners is just your big face. Yeah. Were you aware of that? Yeah. Oh, no, I wasn't. Really? Yeah. There's oh, nobody that's... else in it. It's just you. Finally, finally the credit you deserve. <laughs> but <coughs> this episode of Roderick on the Line is brought to you in part by Squarespace. You can learn more about Squarespace right now by visiting squarespace.com. Slash super trained friends. Squarespace is the only one platform for building your brand and for growing your business online. You can stand out with a beautiful website, engage with your audience, and sell anything your products, your services, and even the content that you create. Because guess what, guys? Squarespace has got you covered. So many great things. Uh, you know that you can sell products in an online store. This used to be a whole thing trying to do this on your own. Well, you know, whether you're selling physical or digital products, Squarespace has the tools that you need to start selling online. And, and like we mentioned, the template's so beautiful. You're going to get started with a best-in-class website template, and then you customize it to fit your own needs. It's as easy as browsing the category of your business to find a perfect starting place. And then you customize it, and you make it your own with just a few clicks, a few drags, and uh, got a beautiful website. You know, uh, it used to be uh, trying to do search engine optimization required a whole bunch of add-ons. Well, not anymore, because with Squarespace, you can use the suite of integrated features, uh, SEO guides, things that will help you to maximize your prominence among search results. And of course, let's not forget that Squarespace also has powerful blogging tools so you can share stories, photos, videos, and updates. You'll be able to categorize, share, and schedule your posts to make your content work for you. Uh, you're using Squarespace right now. I feel I feel like I should tell you because Roderick on the Line, the podcast that you're enjoying right now, is and always has been hosted on Squarespace, and uh, they've been really good to us. It's where I put some of my personal sites, professional sites, and it's maybe most importantly the site, the service that I recommend to people who need a home on the web. You got to check it out. So go check it out. You go to squarespace.com/supertrain. You can get a free trial with no credit card required when you're ready to launch. Use our very special offer code SUPERTRAIN because that's going to save you 10% off your first purchase of a website or a domain, squarespace.com slash supertrain. Use that code SUPERTRAIN for 10% off. Uh, it'll save you some money and it'll show your support for Roderick on the line. Our thanks to Squarespace for supporting Roderick on the line and all the great shows. When, that, when a playlist on Spotify ends, it, it does, of course, because it's Spotify, does a really canny job of playing other stuff that you would like. So the very first tune that comes up is one I can very much locate to, I'm going to, let's call the year, let's call, uh, we're going to case a case in this shit. Let's call it 1981. 
December 1981. This long distance dedication goes out to uh goes out to uh to a chihuahua who uh who died recently his name was rafifi um and uh you know came on father christmas by the kinks Mm. father christmas give me some money yep give me a machine gun we'll beat you up don't make us annoyed yeah it's a uh it's a real uh it's a droogy droogy song it's very droogy and of that time when what the kinks were in probably at that point their fourth big movement they'd uh-huh. gone from british invasion to british pastoral to like the they, they did their country stuff on muswell and then they had that run in the mid 70s where they were a fucking cock rock band <laughs> and it, they were so good they had that great live record and i guess around the punk ish era uh they they recorded uh you know father christmas now having opened that particular door are there any other tunes i'll give you a hint one of them is the Christmas is the time to say I love you by Billy Squire. Are there any other tunes that fall out of that closet when I open that door in your mind? Oh yeah, and I hate them. What uh, about I, a certain song by uh, Paul McCartney and Wings? Don't, I don't like it, but it's That's not the, the worst. worst. Well, no, no, no. Okay. The worst one is the one by Wham. Oh, last Christmas. No, don't do it. Don't do it. Give don't even get it in there. I woke up this morning and do, I had. Do, do, do. I was. I, I had some weird dreams last night. Some fun dreams. Save it for the Patreon. Uh, Patreon.com slash whatever it is. But one of the dreams. One of the dreams. There was a. There was a. I was. I was running for politics in uh, Colorado, and my compo- My uh, opponent was running on a beans and latrines platform, and his. Theme. Is, is that is that a populist American version of bread and circuses? Something like that. Yeah. But like we yeah, we're going to deliver to the people. We're going to deliver to the people. Uh-huh. And uh and his theme music was um uh Garden Party by Ricky Nelson. That's a great song. And I woke up and I was like, "Oh no, don't please don't get that stuck in your head." No, 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 dream. no, no. Please don't, please don't. And I started no, It's like it's like that Don McLean song. It's like yeah. it's it's so long and so mid-tempo. And it just but does the it, same thing right over, in there, over yeah. and over. And I was like, "Don't do it, don't do it." And I, I went. Has he kitchen. gone to a garden party to, to reminisce with some old friends? Oh well, in the song, yeah, but it's actually a song about him playing a show, like a, like he was, you know, he was a teen star, yeah. And in the seventies, he played some like fifties revival show with Chuck Berry and all this at oh, one of those like Square package garden. tours, like Big yeah. Star did. You come out yeah. to two songs, or like sorry, like the. Not big star, but uh, you know his band before that that did uh, the letter. Like you, you come out and like do a song, and like you, you could be some Motown band that nobody's ever heard of. You come out and do a carnival kind I of thing. Th- I think, but it wasn't a tour. It was just like, hey, we're gonna get this. Was before the fifties had made the sixties look like the forties or I whatever. That early seventies, the fifties were big. Yeah, and seventies were gonna out, make the fifties look like the nineties. Nineties. Like yeah, he came out and got booed. <gasps> Ricky, because, low, low Ricky Nelson got booed. Yeah, because everybody there, you know, they were probably a bunch of guys in denim, hippies, you know, meanies. Oh, and they, they were they like, would have liked some CCR, I bet. Yeah, we want some. Well, no, it was the 50s revival and they wanted oh, rock and roll. They wanted, you know, blues. And Ricky Nelson came out as boo. So he, uh, so his last hit, he wrote this like pretty snarky, uh, went to a garden party type of song where it was, you know, the subtext was, I got booed at Madison Square Garden because they wanted Little Richard. No shit. Anyway, so I'm in the house and I'm like, don't, I do not want to have that song in my head, especially uh-uh. not getting in out of some dumb dreamscape. And so I started singing the, I started singing, uh, I, I, I couldn't, th- you know, you can never, you can never think of a song to sing to dislodge a bad song. And I don't know where my brain went, but it started singing the Sopranos theme. And I was like, no, 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 maybe. I, and i was like i don't want that in my head either and then i thankfully came over here <laughs> to talk to you and you're gonna get wham's last christmas stuck in my head i won't no. have it i won't have it i normally don't look at the internet when we're recording but i know i feel like i heard there's a universal ish get a song out of your head oh. what the germans call an earworm oh right? is that right ear and vermin they call it earworm. Mm-hmm. yeah and i think it's got a diuresis Mm-hmm. Get a song out of your head. Um, it's the Ramones. Oh God, no! It looks like it might be WikiHow. Oh no! Psychology don't, Today. Don't go to Psychology Today. Five ways to get rid of earworms. Um, <laughs> get a song out of your head. You know, I'll, I'll I'll find out for the Patreon. 
But um, I hate I think that. We've, I think we've talked about this, but uh, but I'm going to say it again. Yeah. I don't remember Wham's last Christmas. No. In the time. I only and it's started well, they were hearing huge. it. It was like, the, wasn't it like the year after Careless Whisper? I don't, I don't know, but you know, it was that era where it was like, do they know it's Christmas time? Everybody had a, everybody had a song, but yeah, when, yeah, yeah. no, it was, yeah, it was 84. It was absolutely their peak moment. And I never that was, heard that song. That was our prom once. song, John. The prom song in 1985. Was, was last cute. Christmas? <laughs> That's Somehow, a weird time to have a prom. I would rather have been bad boys stick together. Prom never sad boys. Thing. Do, 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 do. Woo, woo. That's a much better wham song. <laughs> Did I tell you what happened at our at our uh, at our prom song uh, meeting? No, but uh, I would love to hear. Uh, it was a thing that was where... mo- that was really mostly it. The other ones were uh, obviously the um, simply having a wonderful Christmas time, which uh-huh. which and, and you're, you're, uh, you're I can deal with that one. I can yeah, I can hang with that. He's having a lot of fun with digital delay. I watched uh, I watched a really good Queen concert from 1977 the other night. And there was three different segments where somebody got to come out and dick around with a digital delay. Brian May, who wonderfully, I mean, you you know, on those early records, he does that. I learned this from the hot licks. He would do those crazy things with his amp, had three different delays. So center was live signal, left was first delay, right was next delay. It must have been bananas to hear. John, I swear to Christ, the solo must have gone on for 17 minutes. And then Freddie came out and did his, did his Live Aid thing that he would, well, not Live Aid thing, that was later, but you know, the, he did that thing. Mm. And then finally, uh, uh, who, who sings uh, Love of My Car? Is that Roger? Or yeah. D- uh, John Deacon? Roger. Roger the drummer comes out and he gets to do some digital delay stuff too. I think people used to get to come out and fuck around with the, whatever's called the Minute Maid or whatever. You get to, you, get to, you know, uh, change the decay and shit like that. Mm. uh-huh um but but anyhow that was really pretty much it was a wonderful christmas time where paul dicks around with some uh delay and some mo- some moog but you know so you wait where were we uh oh uh well i don't understand how the first time i heard the wham song yes uh, oh yeah sorry I- sorry the wham huge big george michael is he's got a bullet the kids go in places 1984 they were everywhere and and then I'm with you, John, and I was listening to the radio and had a girlfriend, so I was listening to a, a, a lot of Christmas music, and I don't remember that song at all. The first time I heard it, I think it, I heard a cover of it, and and I thought, well, this is the worst song I've ever heard, and then I started hearing it, and I and I heard it enough that I was like, what is this terrible song, and how do I, what do I, what do, how do I have to tune life so that I never hear it again? And then I realized it was wham. And then I realized it was from 1984, and I thought, uh, this is the example of the ultimate gaslighting. The ultimate gaslighting. This is more than Berenstain Bears. Oh, this is that that Mandela Mandela effect thing where, yeah. Well, it wasn't, but it didn't exist. It did not exist prior to 2000, and when did did this happen? 2013, probably, that I heard it for the first time? It's kind of like like the Mariah Carey song. It had this, there's there's a wonderful episode of Hit Parade, um, that, that podcast I like about the pop charts about Mariah Carey and her uh, insane uh, achievement with with that one song. But uh, that song, didn't that song come out in the 90s? But like the Wham song, it's like somebody found it in in a back closet and suddenly Last Christmas was everywhere. And isn't it long? I feel like it's long. Oh, God. It feels uh, like eternal. And I'm really hoping that that does happen to the Christmas record I made with Jonathan Colton because it's possible that that will still one day make me a, a million dollars. So far, it has not made me a, made look, me a single dollar. I mean, look dollar. at there's that one pavement song. I read an article. I don't remember why this happened, but there's this one pavement song. It's not Carrot Rope, but it's something from Twilight, Terror Twilight, that like there's this bizarre anomaly where this one pavement song has gotten into some kind of like lists that they play in stores or something. And the top pavement song, it's not, it ain't Summer Babe or Cut Your Hair or, you know, Trip Dike, Date with Ikea. It's like this one, like, obscure B-side. That's what you need. You need the Wikipedia uh, Hanukkah song to start playing at uh, Hot Topic or whatever. You'll be G- GTG, you know what I'm saying? Somebody, somebody told me um, uh, that uh, a famous movie director who is famous for having made uh, some, you know, famous movies. Uh-huh. Um, you, you know who it is, but you're not saying. 
Oh no, I, I mean I can. I, no, 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 I can, no, I'm not asking you to. But like you, somebody where like you go, ooh, that guy. No, it's Cameron Crowe. Oh, I know him, and he is famous. At, but he's all, he was also for a long time married uh, to um, Nancy uh, Wilson. Uh, Nancy, well, no, Beth Wilson. No, the what? one of the Wilson sisters. Wait, Anne. And no, it's not Anne. It was Nancy. It's the blonde, the blonde guitar girl. He was married to Nancy and lived in Seattle. And you know, Seattle's a small community. Sure. Everybody knows each other. And somebody said, somebody in the music publishing business said, oh, Cameron Crowe's a fan of the Long Winters. And ever since then, I've been thinking, oh, God, I really hope that Cameron Crowe makes a space movie someday. I really hope that Cameron Crowe makes a space movie someday. And you get He's, played at the end. You're, you're, you're that song. That's like right. that fucking like there's that uh who's who's that band where they play they play each other's heads not like helmets like drums they have that song at the end of um of uh Hunger Games and it's mm. incredibly effective what's the name of that fucking band uh did the mentors do, I guess so yeah, da, da, da. they did that one song you need that man you need yeah. like he does his space and like that plays over the credits and people yeah. are just sitting there fucking bawling be yeah. huge that that's the thing remember I mean I, I it's we've said it a thousand times. But, uh, but you know, the VW ad, uh, that, uh, that reintroduced or, or introduced the world to, um, Fire Island. Uh, no, the, 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 the Volkswagen oh, pink, ad. Pink Moon. Pink Moon. Pink, 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 pink. Uh, and, and I was, that was a good I, ad. That was a good, it, really good ad. It was a great ad. ad. And I remember, I remember going into a record store and, uh, and, uh, and Pink Moon had a sticker on it that said, as heard in the Volkswagen ad. Yes. And, and at the time that was maybe one of the, maybe one of the early times when I really felt the full brunt of the people in my culture all saying, oh, I've been listening to that record the whole time and hmm. knowing that that wasn't true. Scott, Mc oh, Scott McCoy, Scott I McCoy see, from the Young yeah. Fresh Fellows has definitely been listening to Pink Moon the whole time. So has Wesley Stace. But as Scott, Scott McCoy has been listening to shit that reminds you of Nuggets, but would never be as popular as Nuggets. Yeah, that, Kurt, that guy, that guy's got, he's like a Pollard. I bet that guy's got some deep catalog. Kurt Block uh, listened oh, to yes. Pink, Pink Moon uh, one million times before I was born. And he's yeah. not that much older than me. No. But the, the number of people who were my age, who were from my world that actually were conscious of Nick Drake was not as many as claimed to be. And, no. and that was a, that was a profound eye opener for me of just walking around like, oh, right. This I remember this in the early nineties when all of a sudden everybody I met had been the one punk kid at their high school. Do you remember yeah. that, that phase where you're like, Hey, you know, you're sitting around a party, yeah, yeah. you know, where are you D from? David, David Sedaris talks about this in one of his books, being the weird kid at your school, the like slightly goth kid, and then going to college and there's like, a, there's like hundreds of people that are like you, but do it better. Well, but, but the problem was the, the obscure one. Yeah. If everybody I met in Seattle in 1992 had been the weird kid in their high school, there wouldn't be any normal kids in America. <laughs> you ran the numbers. Because, I mean, yeah. I remember the weird kid in my high school, New Wave Dave. And New Wave Dave. <laughs> New Wave Dave. New Wave Dave. I want to know everything about New Wave Dave. New Wave Dave showed up at East Anchorage High School in 1982 or 19, yeah, 1982. With a mohawk, a full-on mohawk, and no one in the world was braver than New Wave Dave, because he just had it all out there. He just showed up, and he was he was fully leaning into his love. There was no punk rock at East Anchorage High School. There was no undercurrent. There was no like cool kid with eyeliner. There was no buddy with robert smith hair none of that existed yet all there was was rocker dudes and football dudes and i mean there were four kinds of people right there were like 80 <laughs> yeah, probably you had the breakfast club compliment <laughs> well except except before even that there wasn't even a girl with dandruff and, and eyeliner it was just mm -hmm. guys in painters caps that played football and hockey there were dudes in denim who smoked weed in the in the uh, smoking area. Did you call them Heshers? Lodies? Well, no, we didn't call them Heshers. We called them Stoners. We called them Lodies. And then there was like 85%. Oh, and then there were like the, the, the kids that were going to college. And then there was 85% of the school. Were those preps? In your well, they, that, that became prep, yeah. Yeah, socias. 85% of the people that no one ever 
knew about or heard about. And, you know, and of course the, the, there were, uh, I, yeah, it was, it, there weren't, there weren't other types. And then he walked into the school with this Mohawk and he got beat up so much. Oh and no. He, oh, he wasn't, a, he wasn't like a little, uh, like, uh, a kid that would, would get pushed around. He was a, he was like a guy that could defend himself, but he just got ganged like, like, like really tortured. And he never wavered. And I wa- I can't claim to have been a friend of New Wave Dave. I remember sitting in, you know, in the lunchroom and watch- watching him walk into it and thinking to myself, why would you do that to yourself? My God, like, yeah. Why, why would you, why wouldn't you try to just put a hat on and keep your head down? Because he walked into the lunchroom and it was just like, I mean, every day. I know. I cat know. calls. So. And it's, but I it, mean, like people, I mean, people, including or especially me, like to shine this turd and go like, oh, I was an outsider. I was blah, blah, blah. But I wanted to be accepted by anybody and everybody. Yeah. And if I could be accepted by somebody of like when I somehow ended up, I'm not proud of this, but like when I somehow fell in with the cool soccer kids, it was such a step up for me for a while. I would love to sit here and go, oh, I'm going to go stand up for New Wave Dave. But the truth is, I would just keep my head down and and hope that like I didn't, you know what I mean? Like in yeah. in retrospect, you can admire it, but at the time, you're like, don't you have any sense of self interest? Yeah, just like just New Wave Dave, I'm desperate for you to not get treated this way because it makes me feel terrible. But yeah. I wasn't like I I didn't even feel that much sympathy for him in the sense that I just felt like you're bringing it all on yourself. And then later on, later on when when like I actually met new wave Dave. And then there was that moment where all of a sudden it's not like, you know, I graduated in 86. There was never a moment at East Anchorage high where there was suddenly a punk group. There was then James Swainson had a tattoo and there were, Whoa, you know, like really, very, yeah, he got a tattoo of a skull in a top hat, smoking a joint. And it was 19, 1985, 86 though. That's still, that's pretty radical. Well, and it was, it was radical. He wasn't 18 and also, it was punk. That is not a very punk tattoo, Mm-mm. but he was punk, and I think it was already ironic. He was already being ironic about Whoa. a skull with a top hat smoking a joint. What are you talking My about? My friend Tom showed up for college in 1987, a year after me. He had a beautiful, like, I don't want to say photorealistic, but you know how, like, sometimes you get it, like, whether it's the, the thrush woodpecker or the whatever. Yeah. Or, like, and it's like, Whoa. He had the most gorgeous Sherman from Peabody and Sherman Aww. on his upper arm. And it looked like it had been drawn by, I guess, Jay Ward. It was Aww. perfect. No, but like, cause it used to be, you had shitty tattoos if you were a sailor. And, and that was pretty much it. You, Those you were the only tattoos you, you got. You didn't see young people with, 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 uh, you'd get your left ear pierced, the straight ear, but nobody had a tattoo. Nobody had a tattoo. Well, and what, what happened, what, what happened in 1992 was sitting around all these house parties you know, everybody fucked up on drugs and one after another, after another person trying to tell me that they were the new wave Dave of their school. Mm. And I knew for a fact that these jokers were not the new wave Daves of their school. They were, they were posers and it wasn't that they were posers then, you know, at the time they're just as drunk as shitty party as I was, Yeah, but they're trying to, they're trying to retcon the fact that they didn't hop on the punk rock train with the Minutemen, which is when they probably did, they were not on the punk rock train with what I don't remember what it would even would have been crass. I mean, who knows? Who knows what New Wave Dave well, was listening to? Well, the like, yeah, exactly. I mean, it could have. I could have been that he was listening to. I mean, like there was like I'm not going to say there's a word we can't use anymore, an art f. But there was there was a certain term for like a not quite goth kid who listened to stuff like icicle works or you know whisper to a scream or listened to the felt or listened to you know um even split ends were kind of like arty back then but you know it was not cool to listen to stuff that wasn't thunderous like when i was a senior there were some denim kids who were into metallica but not a lot like 85 like not a lot they they were listening to ride the lightning and stuff like that but 
there was not a big contingent. There was more. There was a larger John. There was a larger contingent of breakdancing kids than punk rock kids in my school. Oh, oh, on mine too. Absolutely, one yeah. hundred. Which was all, which is a different kind of being an outsider and getting beat up for sure. At least not in my school. school. It became it became it, it, it immediately the mainstream culture that you did not you did not tread upon that part of the student center because I mean I I've told you the story about the time there was a breakdancing circle, uh, at, in my high school, not in the lunchroom but in the in the student center in the middle of the school uh-huh. at, at lunchtime and uh people break in and uh wow. you know at, like tapping in tapping they, out. they had a boom box uh, there was a boom box and there was and it was a big circle it was not you know people were doing real tricks and i jumped into the center of it and did my uh fake ass like not know how to break dance break dance we body rocking john I was doing a lot and I, a lot of different things, popping, locking. Sure. And, uh, and then I got <laughs> down on the floor. Locking rest for a minute. <laughs> I got down on the floor and spun around. And as I was spinning, somebody kicked me. Oh, come on. And I, and I stopped and I looked up and it was a, it was a, a, a very unappreciative crowd. They did not think that I was funny. And I was like, whoop. <laughs> bounced up and bounced out of there and i was being i was trying to be funny as i was when i did everything sure but i also deeply appreciated breakdancing and rap music and i was and i really wanted to be i wanted to be funny but i you know i thought i was a member of a thing that i wasn't a member of but you you weren't part of the uh, i think they were called a crew back then no i didn't well i had a crew my white fresh crew uh that where we sat around that's true and did uh, rap, but that crew was not recognized within the uh, larger community of my high school as being an authentic uh, crew. And so sarcasm is not a lifestyle. So I was not, I mean, it's not the first time that, uh, that uh, being funny came to, came home to roost. First hip hop, hip hop ish song. I mean, I, I, there's, because I was a white kid in Central Florida listening to the radio, I mean, I have flashbulb moments of like, you know, I remember one night, the first time I ever heard numbers, some, for some reason, some crazy DJ at like 10 something, and, and then I played numbers by um, Kraftwerk, which oh, became yeah. really big in hip hop, hip hop, you know, the Eins, zwei, drei, vier, one, two. <laughs> that song that's the earliest thing well and then there were like there was jokey songs later on you'd have past the duchy the first like hip-hop we didn't call it that the first rap no. song i ever felt deeply deeply in love with was jam on it jam on it i jam loved on it. jam on it so much that was probably 84 85 and i was obsessed i loved that song so much and that was it was so far afield from everything else that i liked but maybe, you know, maybe there was the wiki, 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 shut up. I don't know what it was, but I love the song. And if you haven't seen the video in a while, John, I, I don't like to send you too many videos. I do it a lot, but it, it, you really ought to go treat yourself to the uh, nucleus. That's spelled N-E-W-C-L-E-U-S. The mm-hmm. nucleus, uh, nucleus video for Jam On It. It's pretty special. Jam On It. Jam well, On It. Well, I mean, I, I, by, by 1984, right, Houdini... Yeah. Was we we were already rocking friends. He's got the uh, hat, right? Did he have a hat? Hell yeah, he had a hat. And, and freaks come out at night. The freaks uh, come out. Houdini. Oh, and uh, no, no parking uh, on the dance huh, floor. Huh, huh. LL Cool J's first record was out by then. The Fat Boys were out. This is all '84. This is all you know. Really, you heard yeah. that? I didn't hear LL Cool J till college. Oh yeah, no, no, no. This was all we. This was like our high school. Well, that's the thing. I heard radio. I think that was the only thing I heard. Was he that? That the man, Mr. James, could not live without his radio. That I remember that, but Curtis Blow, mm-hmm. but the but that Houdini record was huge. The thing was, and that's that's freaks come out at night, right? Yeah. Okay. The uh, you know by by eighty four in eighty one eighty two there were four kinds of kids. By nineteen eighty four there were seven kinds of kids. Oh boy. And it was the that's begin- a lot of skews to keep track of. It was. It was the yeah. beginning of the of the great schism, right? That I mean, all metal kids were still just metal, um, because there hadn't been the the enormous schism in metal that produced the forty kinds of metal that there are now. There was, but so there were metal kids. But all of a sudden, there there was because there had always been a black culture at East Anchorage High School. It's just that it wasn't. It, it, it was uh, it was a segregated one. 
right? It was happening over here and it didn't have a, it didn't have like a, a universal kind of sense of belonging in the school culture as a whole. And to, to, but like, you know, part of it is, I don't know how to describe this, but sometimes there's a thing where it's like, there's something that comes along and you go like, what's that thing? Like, there seems to be more than one person doing that. What is, I, like, anytime I would go and visit, like, Chicago or New York, there I would always see things there that were not happening where I was from. Like, was there, like, it doesn't part, isn't part of it, like, a cultural awareness of the bin that this fits in? Not, not I'm not trying to be, you know, unkind, but you know what I mean? Isn't there a sense of, like, oh, that kid's a punk? Like, the kid who brought the screwdriver to the show on, on, on that episode of Quincy uh, with the woman from The Office? Um, that, uh, the, uh, you know, that, that kind of thing, like, oh, that's punk rock. That's that dangerous thing. That's like very much uh decline of Western civilization era punk rock, you know, stuff like circle jerks and things like that. And, and the violence at those shows, but is, isn't it part, isn't part of it? Like I, I, you look weird or you're doing something odd and I'm not really sure how you fit into the five or seven types of high school students. I think that there was a catch all hopper which was called losers <laughs> and anybody that wore their hat wrong was just a loser. You know, if you didn't have, and, and you could have four friends, anybody could have four friends. Um, but you and your four friends didn't factor, right? This was, this was American culture up until not very long ago. Like you could be, you could be doing your own thing over there. Like the kids that were in the kids that were really good in shop and were, were the, the ones that could, could, uh, replace a carburetor in mm-hmm. a, in a, because you're on that like vocational track. Yeah. They were, they were, I'm sure they were incredibly successful and had, had, and probably right now are, are rich and, and have a, a house on a lake with a boat. But at the time it was just like, oh yeah, you guys are over in the shop area. Like it doesn't. And from their perspective, I'm <laughs> sure that it's high right school, over by the smoking area. It's yeah, always right over by the smoking kind of, area. A different thing, but they weren't, they weren't somehow playing the game of high school with the idea that there was a, you know, that, that you would be, and then this might've been somewhat particular to, to my class of kid in high school, mm-hmm. but, but there was, but that, that recognition that all those groups had a place and agency and a name and, and I guess what you would call like parliamentary power hmm. was was a thing that happened in the early 80s i think and i mean all you have to do is 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 uh, like paste it over to mtv and realize that until michael jackson's thriller mtv didn't play music by black people because they no, thought they, they, they played they, had, they played way more heavy metal than they did well because they thought they had programming right they were they were basing themselves on a 1970s radio model of like well there's black radio and then there's pop mm-hmm. radio, and th- and they were like they had this radio. I mean, no more. In some ways, I mean, it sounds dumb to say, but it's in the same way that they didn't play country music, didn't play it at all. They right? played a lot of what came to be called new wave, and and it was and the recognizing that MTV was a national and global phenomenon that belonged to everybody. Kind of, kind of, it was like what happened with Twitter when we realized, oh, Twitter isn't just for uh, tech nerds in their thirties who are also <laughs> who <funny>. like puns <laughs> tech tech nerds that can actually make jokes. And there's only about 40,000 of us, uh, and then realizing, Oh wait, Twitter belongs to everyone. And it actually is kind of a public utility. That was a lot, a lot of growing pains. Right. Yeah. But, but I rem I remember realizing that, that kids were, it wasn't that they were siloing. They had always been there. It was now suddenly their silos belonged they had a name and you could you could say oh wait you are a dungeons and dragons person right or you it's almost are, like there's some kind of a, a newly necessary un designation for what you represent and yeah like, like you got officialized a little bit yeah and that's what that's why breakfast club resonated with us all they weren't in that movie didn't invent anything it was finally repping a, a thing that had been happening which was there is a jock and a and a pretty girl and a weird girl and a nerd and a and a stoner, um, because you know you you think about it really, really hurt sales of Selson Blue though. <laughs> <laughs> Not I kept buying it. 
<laughs> I can't buy and sell some blue with that weird blue paste and the smell. We were on, I, I just thought that was funnier to say we were a head and shoulders family. Oh, uh, were you really? No, I, I, mean, I, I didn't it, it was have more dandruff. Modern. Yeah, we bought whatever was on sale. Yeah. Do you remember the first time you bought dandruff shampoo that was made with, with like oil sands or tar or something? Yeah, because yeah, yeah. I, I have, uh, I have uh, psoriasis. And mm-hmm. so that's how I discovered coal tar shampoo. Coal tar, you, that's it. Yeah, you smell like a roof. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. your hair, your, your hair smells terrific. You can put beer shampoo on top. <laughs> Gee, of it. your hair smells terrific. <laughs> yeah. But when when it came time to to pick our junior prom song, <laughs> oh <laughs> God, I love that you do this. There was you still got it, kid. There were factions <laughs> that had never come into play before. The junior pro, or the junior prom song had always been and forever would have been picked by that group of five oh, popular yes. girls yes. who run cheerleader football and yearbook adjacent yeah. power people, power people mm-hmm. who were putting on the prom. They were making all the decisions, what the theme was, what theme, the colors yes, yes, were, yes. what the balloons, where it was going to be, what the and what the theme was going to be. And. All of a sudden, there were new factions that had a feeling about what the junior prom That's theme like should be. like the 60s be. in America a little bit. A little bit. Do you see what I'm saying? Yes, absolutely. Oh, oh, you there. You have an opinion about how we do this? Interesting. And the, the, uh, the Power Girls did not <laughs> like it at all. That there were, and, there were new voices to be heard. And what, and, and honestly, what they, they, they absolutely had a, that, that feeling that we see in American politics all the time, which was, Hey, wait, 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 this is how it's done. This is how it's always been done. This is how it's going to be done from now on. And you please, everyone, please sit down. We've got this covered. Especially, especially at least because, well, you know, there's a sense of, like I say, privilege, but entitlement, right? That we that everybody has, especially if you're like somebody who has walked ass backwards into power because your dad's a dentist or whatever. Like there's, you know, there's 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 that kind of thing that comes along. And I think the other really salient factor is you're only in high school for so long. You've well, only and- you're 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 gonna you're not afraid to burn s- certain kinds of bridges. You may be up there saying, oh, you know, you're like fucking, uh, I don't know, Mitch McConnell or whatever, and you're like an institutionalist about the way that we deal with these things here at Gulf Comprehensive High School. But the truth is, like, that's your one shot to exercise that power as a fucking senior. That's and right. you're not going to be saying, well, this th- my last year in high school is a great time for me to get really uh, progressive about making sure everybody gets a vote. No, no one, none, none of those five girls was thinking, oh, you know, when I look back at my high school senior year, I'm going to be so glad that I opened up the junior prom theme <laughs> see scorched earth. <laughs> to a local vote of all of the different nerds. No, you're, I mean, and I had that conversation with them many times because of course I was part of, I was part of a faction. Um, and I, and I heard it over and over again, like these are, these are the, the memories and I was like, what are the memories? And they're like, these are the memories. Like, say you, say me. It's on the top of the charts. Well, it's like, I, that should it, be our theme. It's, it's, this is our time. And, and Lionel Richie and Dion Warwick are the, these are the songs. And so the, the oh, theme of the junior prom are for, right? needs to be the theme of the year. The year yeah. is now. These are the songs because I was a member of a faction that was saying, that was saying, that uh that the theme for our junior prom should be uh love me do and i was doing it just i think just to be a <laughs> just imagining the dance well you know what i i had an i had an extremely uns, i had an extremely unsuccessful campaign for it to be i will follow by you too oh that's a nice one it was really it was not uh, taken very seriously, John. No, because uh, you you can only do the new wave dance to it. You can't do the. It's you not can do a the st- way back dance. Like a year, maybe must have been like a year or two before I arrived. I'm gonna I'm gonna be real with you, and I, I understand there are people out there who are gonna hear this and go and roll their eyes. But Uh-oh. I think the prom song for my school and for most schools, 1982, 83, "Best of Times" by Sticks. 
It's oh, a really? fucking great problem. That's a great theme. Yeah. It's a great, uh, but listen, for the time and sticks. Like, well, you know, this is before we fully knew what was going on with Dennis DeYoung and what he was doing to poor Tommy. I think that this is an example of, of an age gap just between, just between you and me. Oh, because, April wine would have been great. Because by 1986, <laughs> right? Just between you and me. Between, 19, between when you graduated and when I graduated. I graduated MTV in May started, of 1985. Well, see, there it is. It, you graduated just after MTV started playing black music. And uh, when I, I was in journalism class, I remember I was in, I was uh, the features editor for the paper. And I very specifically, we got Time Magazine. And I remember the Time Magazine cover, like a year or two kind of late, was like, oh my God, the MTV revolution. Mm-hmm. And it had a picture, it had a picture from Once in a Lifetime you know, in it and stuff like that. So 80, I mean, like the thing was, everybody goes, oh, you know, MTV 1981. It's like, mm, yeah, but like MTV wasn't like a thing in a lot of places till like 82, 83 at least. And that was, I think, a big part of why Patti LaBelle was suddenly the the music that the that the white girls wanted at their prom. No kidding. They would not have known about it Three years prior, they would have been working from a palette of sticks and foreigner and, uh, and triumph, maybe not triumph, but you know, like fight, they would have the been, good fight would have been a very good prom thing. You know, they would have been working from that, uh, from that playlist that came from yeah, white radio, but now they had access to, to soul music in a way that would, that was m- so mainstream that these white girls were like, are you kidding me? The prom theme has got to be Lionel Richie. What are you even talking about? That's the, that, that's the most romantic song of the year. Mm-hmm. And in a way, is it me you're looking for? I was, I was part of a faction that was like, what? No, we have, it has to be a British invasion song because that's what we care about. And, well, and like, and also like, you don't want to be tarred with that. Yeah. It's like, it's like, you know, as much as, as like, I didn't care or let's put, let's be honest about this. Like everybody at that age. It should age. have been West End Girls by the Pet Shop Boys. That's what it should have been. Oh everybody can agree on that That song. would have been incredible. Oh, right? my God. That should be the every prom theme. Yeah. There's a gun in your back. It's pointing at your head. Yeah. Mm. Um. Oh, boy. Kicking down chairs and knocking down tables. <laughs> in a restaurant. <laughs> in a restaurant. In West End Town. <laughs> Flight of the Concords Just do an amazing parody of that that I am going to send I you. I know. I've, I, have you seen I it? I love that. Yeah, but you can still send it to but me. They are, I, they, but it like, right it's now. so funny because each one of them does a funnier version than the other <laughs> of the of the Neil Tennant. And they do the video where one of the guys is like a ghost walking around. Oh, my God. Mm. It's so good. But you know what it is? Like, okay, look, I, I confront about this, but like. That's what adolescence is. It's a complicated mm. time. As I've, I, I realized after adolescence that adolescence is largely about, if, especially if you are not a person of means, it's about repping what you're not. Hmm. That's a big part of being a teenager is repping what you are not. Interesting. You don't have that many things that you're actually really into non-ironically. Right. What are what you? you hate. Yeah. Well, I knew I hated Palm Beach. I, I knew I hated rich people. I knew, I mean, I had... Like, you know, all that kind of stuff, but like, you, knew what you weren't, I knew what I, what I, what I didn't want to be, Yeah. but I, at the same time, of course I wanted to be friends with the cool soccer guys. Like I wanted to be thought of, like, I liked that I was a senior superlative that made oh, me happy. Yeah. Like, me too. And, but like, it's gross, but like, yes, but I'm yeah, Why is that gross? You were the, you were the most funny. Is that what you were? So I technically, most... I technically won two, but oh, you can yeah. only, you got, you, you only get the one that you had the most votes at, so I was most most talented. Oh, most talented. I was also class clown, but because Matt Granger, uh, uh, Matt Granger got it because yeah. the wonderful Matt Granger. Never, never forget Matt Granger. Love Matt yeah. Granger. Matt Granger would wear uh, a blazer he got from Goodwill with the sleeves pushed up. You oh, know that, remember that look? Funny. That I'm is. Not, I'm not talking about Miami Vice. I'm talking no, no, about no. like no, you wear that stand up comedian. Yeah, abs- absolutely. Uh, but here's the here's the problem, and here's the thing that's nobody's proud to say is like, yeah, but I still didn't want to go to a high school that had a the fucking shitty prom song. I'm gonna go to the prom, yeah, and I'm gonna be there, and like it's not gonna be uh, what is it? What's the Back to the Future one? Uh, Paradise Under the Sea. Mm. Like I would have taken that over oh, faithfully. Yeah. Faithfully, Faithfully, it's a song about trying not to cheat on your wife while you're in a shitty band. Oh, yeah. Well, listen, if you're going to call Journey a shitty band, then we're going to have to set the Wayback Machine to way back. Oh, 
Oh, do you want to throw down on 1978? Because I will be there to talk no. to you about Journal in 19... 19- Journey in 1978 was a very special thing. It was, they were no. feeling that way. Yeah, no, they when were When Steve were first joined the band, and uh, who's the guy that was in Santana? I'm standing here with my arms a mile wide. Was his name Rocco? No, what Weren't was his name? they all in Santana? They all came from Santana. Well, Neil Schoen was 15 in Santana. Who's the guy? Oh, Greg Raleigh. Greg Raleigh mm-hmm. was the, the singer. And then they brought in Steve. But then you get a song like Feeling That Way, where they both sing on it. So fucking good. Yeah, it's nice. Escape is not a great record. No, it's not. Yeah. Worlds yeah. Apart. or what, No, Worlds Apart? Is that, is that Saga? Oh my saga. God, Saga. I would have killed the Wind Him Up would be a great prom theme. I feel like... <laughs> if I could go back, <laughs> if I could go back to high school, I'd be so cool now. I'd be so fucking cool. Yeah, you're like, I'm, you don't know this, but like your kids are going to love it. <laughs> I've, I've thought of that as, as I'm sure everybody has. Like, what if Marvin I went back Eno? to, if I went back to, to high school, what would the, if you went back to high school and could change one thing, you know, like, or, or change two things. One thing I would do is when I grew out of my Levi's and had to start wearing them without buttoning the top two buttons, yeah, I would have gone to my mom and said, can I get a new pair of jeans? Because Definitely my junior year, I couldn't button the top button of my pants. And it wasn't because I was chubby. It was because I had grown out of them. But tight, I didn't. Tight clothing has an impact on your life. I didn't know how to. I, and I, this is weird to me. Like when I think back at it, I'm like, what? Really? I didn't know how to ask for new clothes because you got new clothes what, when when your mom thought you needed them? <laughs> well, no, you got them. At, you got them before. Oh, for back to started. school, you go to Sears, you go to Husky, you yeah. go to the Husky section, you get some, get some tough skins. And that was the year that I grew from being five eight to six two. In Whoa, no, whatever, really? You know, in the space of like six months, and all of a sudden, I I was just I couldn't button the top. Is that of my close jeans. to true, John? Because that's fucking crazy. It did you crazy. did you really go more than a couple inches in like oh, a, yeah. an academic year? Yeah. That was That's the so insane. That was the thing. That was the that was the moment where I had been kind of a picked on um and like you know, I was I was this snarky, dandruffy kid that sat in the back of the class, but not in the very back where everybody was chewing tobacco, kind of like in the back yeah. corner where no no cool people would go, kind of by the globe. I sat back there and was like, every once in a while, would go. <laughs> he sat by the club. That's what Calvin Coolidge would say. Mom. And then, then everybody in the class would just get, you know, get quiet and be like, oh my God. Ugh. I was that kid. And then all of a sudden, I was like, this, it just all happened at once. It's like slow motion hulking out. I was a kid that I, I, I was all of a sudden, nobody would pick on me. And I didn't understand why I wasn't getting picked on anymore. And I think I started to ramp it up. Like, uh, because, because you were ultimately were you kind of testing boundaries in some ways. Well, all I was used to was getting was getting thumped, and when I wasn't getting thumped, I was like, "That's what Calvin Coolidge said to your mom." And oh yeah, and then I still didn't get thumped, and I was oh. like, "Yeah, Calvin Coolidge, you know, is your mom?" I mean, I was just try- and and I got and, <laughs> and I, I fucked him, and eventually I got a little like, <laughs> well, I got a little a lot mean. Because I think I wasn't used to, I wasn't used to. You weren't getting a response. And well, I was getting a response, which was people wanting to thump me, but not. Oh boy. I didn't know what that, you know, you could see it in their face. You could see them tense up. You could see them clench their fists, square off with me and then back down. And I didn't, and I had no sense of my physical size or I still thought I was a little runty kid. And so I would stand there like, oh shit, I'm about to get it. And then nothing would happen and they would, you know, stomp off and they'd glare at me. And, and, and I was like, what is going on? Yeah. And it was because I was four inches taller. I mean, I was, I, I would towered over them and I couldn't tell from inside my body because inside your body, you think you are somebody. That's, yeah. I mean, I, 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 it's so funny you say that. I, I remember something, something so wise that my mom said, um, when I was probably 11 or 12 and you know. 11 or 12 for me, I mean, a lot's changed. There's a lot of hormones in the meat. Kids, you know, uh, get their periods early and get strong early and stuff like that, right? But like mm-hmm. my friend Greg, my acquaintance Greg, who nobody liked, but we had to pal around with him because his parents were divorced and he was in our church oh, group. Oh, that's too No, bad. he was okay, but he was sure. really, really awkward. And 
he was kind of you, but even dorkier. Like what you're describing here, he was really dorky and so awkward. And he got suddenly got really clumsy and was like, you know, it was like something out of a health film strip. And I was like, oh, Greg is the worst. And, and you know, and my mom was like, well, you know, Greg, Greg's life is not easy right now. And also, you know, a lot of times, you know, you know, you hate having the purity talk with your mom. My mom was like, well, the thing you got to understand about Greg is his body is changing faster than his mind. Uh-huh. And he's in all kinds of ways. It's not keeping up with his brain as in like, he doesn't know how long his arms are. He doesn't realize where his shoulder is. Of course, he's knocking things over. His body has not adjusted to the fact that he's a bigger person now. And he's still a, an 11 year old kid inside with the body of like a 14 year old. And that's making him weird. And I was like, hmm, that's very interesting. I still don't like Greg. This was the thing when, when, uh, this was how, when I gained <clears throat> tremendous insight into my friendship with Sean Nelson, it was realizing that although Sean was six foot five, he's so tall, he's so much um, taller than you think. And, you know, and broad in his mind, he is still five foot six and, and is still, and he never had the experience. I don't think, or, or rather he had it, but he didn't register it like I did because there was a day when I realized, oh, wait, I'm, I'm. I'm big. Not only am I big, but But classic, classic Simon and Garfunkel or like, you know, where the little guy, where the little guy acts like a big little dog acts like a big dog and the big dog acts like a little dog. The thing about Simon and Garfunkel though, is when you meet them, you realize that uh, Artie is only five, nine. Shut up. This is the crazy thing. Art Garfunkel is not that tall. I would have said Art Garfunkel is at least six, two. It's that Paul Simon is so small. Is he comically small, John? He is kind, he is comically small. Art Garfunkel, you know, normally I don't Google while we're on the show, but Art Garfunkel, Dart Garfunkel, Darf, Darf Barfinkel, Art Verfunkel is five foot nine. He is five foot nine. It's okay, just that Paul that Simon means is that five we foot are three. About, I am a slightly taller than Art Garfunkel. Yes. And that blows my mind. It blew my mind too until the, until I met him. I stood there and I was like, that's your Art Garfunkel? Like, you sure. And, and <laughs> your Art Garfunkel? You know, I was like, I was towering over him. He's the, he's the size of Mayor Bloomberg. And I was like, uh, oh, come on, that's uncommon. And then I, and then I went and I looked it up because I always imagined that Art Garfunkel was six foot nine. How, oh, he, absolutely. He can look right over Paul Simon's head. I thought he was the tallest man in rock. He's not at all. It's He's, really all about context, John. It's all about context. Yeah. And and the thing about Sean was realizing that he had never had that moment where he was like, where you know, because I had the moment where I was like, oh, nobody's going to fuck with me anymore. Oh, my God, what a great relief. And he still, in when he looks out from his eye holes, he sees a world of, of grownups who are, are abusing him. And I said to him in this conversation, I was like, Sean, do you realize that you are terrifyingly big, that I am intimidated by you? And he's like, he couldn't, he scoffed. He was like, are you kidding? You're ridiculous. And I was like, I swear to you that you could throw a punch at me and knock me clean out. You wouldn't even have to try. If you ever actually threw a punch, you, you would be a dominating force. And he's never done, you know, he's never. He's like some kind of musical Hodor. He's a Hodor, except he's a Hodor. He Hodor you ever met. Uh, he's, he's a Hodor. He's the, that guy can sing too. He can he's a Hodor, sing. but he's also a maester. So oh, he's, he's like absolutely a, a maester. Uh, yeah, he might maester. he might be a secret Targaryen. Oh. I can't tell them apart anymore. You know, and yeah. of course I said Simon and Garfunkel, and I'm reminded of you two singing Only Living Living Boy in New York together. Yeah. Seeing that great American. Oh shit, that was so well, fucking good. Well, that's when I met uh, Artie was I was singing it with Amy Mann at the uh, at in Central Park, and wow. Artie was there, and Mayor Bloomberg was there, and Paul Simon was there. Mayor Bloomberg, he's a little guy. He's he's not, he's, he's smaller than Art Garfunkel, but not you know. Let's see, he's like, he's like I, a character I, on like Lidsville or something. I don't I don't, I don't <laughs> usually uh, I don't usually Google things, but Bloomberg height. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's I probably bet he's gonna, five five. I bet he's five five. It's probably going to tell me the height of the Bloomberg. He's five seven, so he's two inches. Two inches shorter than Artie, but he's still four inches taller than Paul Simon. And Amy Mann um, is seven pretty, feet tall. Talk about Targaryen. She, she she is an exquisite seabird of yeah. indeterminate height. I don't think we have a way to fully meet her, her height, but boy, is she something. 
Yeah, and I got to still remind my kid, you know, you met Ted Leo and Amy Mann in a hallway once, and that's not going to matter to you today, but someday that's going to matter a lot to you. Someday it might, although that's an example of- You met of, Ted Leo. But that's an example of you being the dad that's like- I'm doing you, nothing. You're going to be the coolest nothing. kid uh, because no one in your college has ever heard of Ted Leo or ever will. Mm. Yeah. But one day- Mar Marvin? Marvin well, Leo? No, it's like the time at Disneyland when my dad, you know, like- I'm at Disneyland. It's yeah. 1977. Everything is happening all around me. The, over here, there's a guy shooting a hippopotamus. Over here, there's like the 60s space cars that they still haven't taken out and oh, replaced. John, with they still have the Wedway, the Wedway people mover. It was and happening. I, and I'm sitting there in a folding chair in a 75% in a empty um, old town. What's old town called? Uh, uh, oh, the thing that used to be. So it's like, like where the Haunted Mansion is? No, the thing with, yeah, the where they got New straw boaters. New Orleans, New Orleans, oh, New Orleans uh, Square, maybe? Yeah. Main something. Street, USA? There it is. Main Street, USA. I'm sitting in an outdoor amphitheater that's got like 40 <laughs> people Dixie scattered Land? around it. Watching Count Basie and his orchestra. Oh, my God. And my dad The actual literal Count Basie with the hat and still everything? still alive and playing in at Disneyland. And my dad walks me down there as a nine-year-old and says, you know, Count I oh. want you to meet my son. Are you I'm, fucking kidding me? And my dad knows. He was every, in Blazing Saddles, dude. My dad knows every horn player in the band. Oh my he's God. Like, he's like, that's, you know, that's this guy. That's this guy. That's April that guy, that's in this Paris, guy. man. And I'm sitting there like, oh my God, dad. Like there's anything. It's just so boring. We're it's at just... freaking Disneyland. And why are we watching this, this orchestra play? You know, like like uh, Johnny Carson on, you'd music. You'd probably rather go on one of the shitty A rides. Yeah. Like, give give me Swan Boats, give me Carousel, give me give me the Jitney, give me anything. Small except, world after all. It's a small world. That might have been a D or an E, but like the but you but give me anything except sitting here listening to to gentle brass music. Yeah, I want I want to. Well, there's nothing gentle about Count Basie, but yeah, I wanted to go over and and meet Abe Lincoln or what you know, Robotron. Oh, you know what Abe, I mean. You know what I mean. Yeah. No, no, I do. And it ends, every song ends with the bump, 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 bump. bump. Uh, that guy, that's uh, so smart to make your bit in addition to being bump, fucking Count Basie. Bump, bump. Great arrangements. He, yeah. it's the ending of the song is his, is his, uh, is his trademark. He's got I think that he invented that riff. Oh, it's a great riff. Bang, oh, bang, bang. And now, and now, of course, yes. at my age, I'm the only person of our whole cadre that ever met count basie and i and I, it's a sort of source of personal pride yeah also, you met ted leo huh you met ted leo i've watched him do a crossword yeah those yeah. were the days i wouldn't mind right? meeting the drummer too was his name chris the, gravy. The, the guy with the beard you yeah all that gravy that gravy was outstanding there i was oh, a lot of gravy i man. recently reread a supposedly fun thing i'll never do again and it reminds me that all oh, that is absolutely a thing i'll never do again uh go on a cruise ship woof yeah now i watch a lot of videos about yeah. high-end rvs and there's a lot oh, of RVs okay. that have the performance characteristics of a yacht. Now that okay. I would do. I watched one the other day, John. It's a $1 million RV and it comes with a smart car that rolls into a little garage in it. You know, Why are you, you know, not sending me these links? Oh, John. Well, I used to be a small, I used to be into small house videos and then I got really into um, RV videos. Um, oh, John. It's, uh, what's the name of the company? It's like Drebble or Dremel or Dreffel. Or oh, yeah, yeah, like yeah. Right, right, right. Drubble. Red, yeah. red and black, you know. Drubble. Yeah, sure. It's got, it's got Mercedes guts. Um, I have yeah. a really hard time with a lot of that stuff, uh, a tiny house and tiny RV stuff, not feeling bad about my life choices when I oh, watch those things. Does that's that what I said true to Madeline. I said, if we had any money, listen, here's the thing fully tricked out. And I will send you this video. It's boner city. Okay. Yeah. It's one fully fitted. It's, it's about the same year, obviously euros and dollars. It's $1.1 $1 .1 million mm. for the nicest RV you ever did see, and wow. it comes with a fucking smart car that you pull into the back of it. It's got a little tow system that pulls into the back. It's got heated windows everywhere. It's got everything's, oh my God, John. If you could find $1.1 million, you're done. So what you're saying is that if you were rich enough, you could live in your car. <laughs> I aspire to be rich enough to live in a car. Now, asterisk, it's a pretty nice car. It's and, a nice car. And, yeah, and the car is also inside of an RV that's a million dollars. Yeah, technically I live in my car. Yeah, this is this is the hashtag van life in order in order to actually be a nomad who smells like they haven't showered in years, you have to have two hundred thousand dollars to afford 
to uh, well, to, my, to drive a panel van that's got a bed in it. And my second thought that I also share with my <laughs> wife is that I bet, I bet, well, yes, and I bet it's also very costly to keep up. I bet it's almost mm. like having a boat. Oh, it's insane! It's insane to keep up. Oh, you know this, John. You know oh, yeah. wherever you speak, you you had yeah. the uh, you had the stripes, not the family truckster, the urban uh, what do they call it? An urban, urban assault vehicle. vehicle. Yeah, yeah, well, you have that. If you have a yacht, what what do they say? Like a like a it's a like, hole into which you throw money. That's right. But those super mega yachts, like they cost ten thousand dollars a day just to keep the the water going. Yeah, I mean, just to keep like the water in the bathroom taps flowing because there's because they have a crew well, maybe one reason you're stinky is that you know you haven't fixed that shower you know that shower was real nice when you when you drove it off the lot but now like you know again it's like it's like having anything fancy it's a lot to keep up green it fees, was you know? not that long ago that what you did was you bought a ford van that had eighty thousand miles on it you went to fred meyer you bought two big pieces of camper foam for 23 dollars each you built a, you had Chris Cornelia build you a bed out of plywood in the back using his patented carpentry skill. Ooh. You put some foam on the top of it and then you lived in that van for six years. Yes. Now, mm. nobody lives like that anymore. They all have, well, I'm sure, wait a minute. Let me, let me wind that back. A lot of people are living like that. Yeah, but right they've now. got plants on the wall and everything's white inside well, and everything's Well, no, folds. you know what I mean. Like if you drive down into the, into the Castro Oh. I'm sure the streets oh, are like, yeah, with- yeah, yeah. We, we were driving down division yesterday and uh woof. Yeah. Right. One yeah. I mean, there's a lot of, another. there's a lot of tent life going on down here. Well, you know, what's crazy. And this hashtag is we, tent life. hashtag tent life is that SF state, you know, down the road Yeah, that you go look at a Google maps of SF state. It's like, it's crazy how many RVs and I, I cause I'm like this, right. I'm the guy who's always like, huh? Like, how are they allowed to guy. park? Huh. I'm so that guy. And huh. yeah. Mike, you know what my wife recently said to me? I was complaining. I'm not complaining. I was remarking on a restaurant we were in and saying that the place seemed very strange to me. And I kept na- noting it over and over, much to the annoyance of my family. This and place seems strange to me. Yeah, because I don't like that. You know how I am? Yeah. And at one point, my wife says, um, you never leave the house. Everything seems weird to you. <laughs> and I laughed for probably eight minutes. And because it was... 